עליתי ארצה, באתי את הדרך, לא שכחתי שבה הלכתי אני ותמדתי התאפנו בנשינו וצרורות אז בידינו מעל עדו נרקב וממשתי רגליו אני יודע Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this brand new episode of the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the food culture and the people of Israel. We're here to tell you about all the great things that this big little country has to offer. Listen, hey, if this is your first time watching us on the video version of the podcast, please, please, Please hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you can always be in the loop when we have a brand new episode out. Um, if you'd like to take us with you while you're on your way to work, uh, you can also find us. Um, you can find an audio version of this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Um, if you want to, you know... If you're bopping around and you just can't get enough of the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, please, by all means, download it. Um, and if you'd like to help support what we do, um, head on over to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash 12 Cities in Israel and become a patron. Um, anything you can do would help. We'd totally appreciate it. Every little bit helps. So don't feel like... You have to commit to something big, huge, monumental, because even the even the smallest thing is appreciated here. So, um, all right, that's uh, that's the intro, and welcome, 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 everyone, to episode 30, the big three zero. It's the one that makes everyone nervous. Um, actually, it's funny because my 30th birthday... Um, was more terrifying. My 25th birthday was more terrifying than my 30th. I think it's perspective, which is going to be interesting because that perspective, boom, um, not on birthdays, but in general ties into what we are going to be talking about. And we're going to be talking about being Jewish and Judaism in Israel. Um, we're going to be talking about the different groups, what they represent, what they believe. Um, and, I've, I, it's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a really fun episode, but before we get started, let's do what we always do and give a shout out to our sponsors. Our first one is to Neviot Plus, Neviot Plus flavored water, nature at its best taste. Neviot Plus delivers you with a true combination of health and pleasure. It's based on Neviot, natural mineral water, one of its kind in Israel, It's enhanced with five B-group vitamins. It's naturally sweetened, of course. It's low in calories, only 35 to 40 calories per eight fluid ounces. There are no preservatives, no color additives, and it's available in delicious indulging flavors, including apple, peach, and grape, which we have here today. So if you're in Israel, you should be drinking Neviot Plus. Um, for more information, check out their website at www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. That's www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. That's N-E-V-I-O-T, just so you know. If you want to get this water, head on over to our next sponsor, and they are Makolet Online. 
And Makolet Online, their main goal is to make Israeli groceries and Judaic products available and affordable to everyone in the U.S. and Canada. Their online store carries items that are unavailable in most places in North America, things like tahini, Israeli chocolates, frozen borekas, mm, and the Naviat water that we have here today at Makolet Online. You will find your favorite Israeli goods or simply enjoy brand new flavors, and all of their products are kosher, and most are made in Israel. If you want the taste of Israel delivered to your home, visit www.makoletonline.com and order today. And for an added bonus, if you spend, uh, no, actually, just use the coupon code 12 Cities in Israel. All one word, no spaces, the number one, two cities in Israel. And uh, you'll automatically get 15% off of your entire order. So head on over to www.makoletonline.com and order today. We love them. We love both of them. Um, you guys rock. Thank you for helping us out. And uh, yeah, yay. All right, so, 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 so. Let me take a sip of coffee, and we'll hop into the uh, into the ulpan portion, which has words um, that are absolutely related to our subject matter today. So hold on one sec. Let me take a sip. Uh, uh, uh. Peter Madera, that is for you. That's Jacob's Coffee, which is a coffee that I get when I'm in Israel. I live for it, live for it, live for it, which surprisingly is Polish. It's a European coffee. So um, what you going to do? People dig it, people drink it. All right, so let us, let us, are you ready? Move into the, um, let's move into the Ulpan portion. And the Ulpan portion as I said, is going to relate to the subject matter that we are discussing today, and that is uh, religion in Israel. And I know automatically you're going to be thinking of probably one word, most likely. You may be thinking of others, but um, when I think of Israel, um, I don't know what that says about me. Well, it probably says exactly what it should say. Um, I think of Yehudi. And Yehudi is Jewish. Boom. Ani Yehudi. Ani being I. Uh, and am to be, lihiot, is, uh, and I got to talk about that word um, at some point. But to be isn't, um, isn't spoken in the present tense. So um, Ani Yehudi. Yehudi. Jewish. Um, and our next one, very similar, Yahadut, Yahadut. Now, what does Yahadut mean? It means, are you ready for this? Judaism, Judaism, Yahadut. So we have Yehudi, Jewish, Yahadut, which is Judaism. Our next one is going to be one of the subjects of this podcast. Haredi. And that's with the ch sound. Haredi. Okay? And Haredi generally means orthodox. Okay? So if you say Haredi, you will be saying 
Orthodox, okay? And people will know what you're talking about um, if you want to describe. It's funny, too. Well, we'll get into that. Um, Haredi Orthodox. Our next one is for another group that exists inside Israel, another Jewish group that exists inside Israel, and that word is Dati. Dati. And let me just make sure I got this right because I'm pretty sure, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it means. It means religious, okay? The, it's pretty much it. just means religious, dati. But that is another group, and I'll define what all of these groups, roughly define what all these groups are, and that's, that's going to be the interesting part. Our next word, are you ready? What's our next word? Our next word word is mazorti okay mazorti means traditional i didn't actually know what that word means i've used it tons i've used it for a group of people but i i never knew it meant traditional so mazorti okay um so we have haredi haredi dati mazorti and our last one, are you ready? What's our last one? Chiloni. Chiloni. Chiloni means secular. It doesn't mean you don't believe in God. It just means secular. It doesn't mean atheist. That's important. Um, it just means secular. And secular means, uh, I guess, what's a description? I should pull out a dictionary. Um, I should have actually before this episode, because to me, secular means removed from religion. And I don't mean removed from religion in the sense that it is, um, it's a religious in the, in the same way that, that a, a thing can, like a word is a sexual, it is neither male nor female. So this, well, I guess actually that's not a good description either, but Secular. Chiloni means secular. And those are our words um, for this episode. Uh, this episode's little mini ulpan. So chamesh ba chamesh, our five in five. I don't even know if that took five minutes. Um, but I, I want to talk about that. That's actually interesting because now I have to, uh, I have to get someone and I have to discuss that because... I'm curious about, and I'm gonna, as soon as I get done, you know what? Dude, the world of cell phones, I can look up an actual definition in real time of what secular is. And uh, hold on, secular definition. And I have pretty good service. So definition, boom, go, and denoting attributes, activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. Okay. So basically, yeah, it's, uh, it's things that are absent of religion, not necessarily removed, you know, not necessarily removed from religion, but just absent. Uh, religion is absent from the subject itself. So, uh, if we were talking about, and this is actually kind of, I, hear, I can hear people going, no, it's not. Uh, soccer or football as it is in Europe. 
um, is secular. It's remove, removed from religion, but for a lot of people, it is a religion. So I, I don't know if that was the best description. So where did all this come from and where did the idea for this come from? Because a couple of episodes, I think it might have even been last episode, I got segued into changing my subject matter um, because I was going to do it on international foods inside Israel, like uh, mostly uh, North American foods inside Israel and what they're like. Um, and I was going to talk about, ironically, American, well, international foods. I was going to talk about Chinese food, but that never happened. Um, and instead, this is how, just to give you a little bit of insight, this is how sometimes inspiration works for this show. So uh, the day before I was about to edit the last episode, um, I get this thing up in my right uh, on YouTube, the uh, suggested videos. So, uh, and it is, oh, I have the title of it right here because I wrote myself a couple of notes. Um, and it said, Israel's religiously divided society. And I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. Um, I'm interested. I want to find out what this is about. Um, and I looked at who the author of the video was and it was Pew Research data people, you know, not, um, not people who have, I want to say not people who have a bias. Everyone has a bias, right? Um, but people who purport to, and, and try very, very sincerely to not have a bias and try very sincerely to give just the facts. And I want to say these guys were really great in doing that. Um, they did just talk about the data. Um, they didn't talk about the questions in the survey, the Pew, the Pew survey, which is what creates their polls. Um, they didn't talk about what the questions were, but Basically, what they were trying to do is they wanted to find out how religion and politics um, intersect in Israel. And it's funny because I am wholly averse to having religion and politics be a part of this show at all. Um, but with the exception of if it serves to illustrate Society and culture in Israel. So, do you understand? Was that clear? I hope that was clear. So basically what I'm saying is, if there are going to be moments, there are going to be times when religion and politics will need to be discussed. Like right now, one of the things that's going on in Israel, and it has to be discussed because it's actually affecting my show. So I have Stav Shafir, She's agreed to come on the show. She's a Knesset member. Um, she's a, a wonderful, wonderful person. She's an amazing story. She's the youngest member to ever be elected to the Knesset. So I'm just really jazzed about having her on. Well, Israel just went into their third round of elections. They have yet to be able to form a government over the past, I think, year, almost. Um. And that is affecting me. And that is a cultural aspect. One day I'm going to have to talk about what the Knesset is and how it works and actually why I like it. Um, one of the things that I like about the Knesset is that log jams occur frequently. 
Meaning, um, <laughs> with the exception of important, important things, the government tends to be relatively um, ineffective. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean, it's it's people are left to do what they need to do. The municipalities take up a lot of the governance in Israel, and there's a lot of uh, individual autonomy. And I like that. I dig that. I think that's really great. Um, a lot of countries could learn from that model. Um, but what's interesting is that is sort of what the subject of this, uh, this Pew research poll was, is how religion, who, how individuals define themselves on a, on a, Jewish scale on a Jewish spectrum, so to speak, and how those groups identify politically. Now, I'm not really going to talk about the political aspect, and if you want to, you can check it out. I'm going to include, so if you go to the uh, the YouTube video, I'm going to include <clears throat> the video in the uh, in the description, and it's it's a tremendous, wonderful video. It's actually there's some really surprising data towards the end. I I, I had no idea. Um, but what I'm going to primarily focus on in this episode is the beginning and uh, where we talk about the different Jewish groups, groups within Judaism in Israel and how they define themselves. And try to give a little bit of insight into how they differ from Jewish groups in the United States. Um, and I, in doing this, I felt the video wasn't enough information. I needed more sources. So what I did is I called my friend Moti. He's uh, he is a uh, he's Morocan. He's Moroccan. He's a Moroccan Jew. Um, so he's Sephardi. And got his perspective, and then I called, um, I called my friend Neely in in Jerusalem, and uh, she's Ashkenazi, and she has a different perspective. Not a not a um, conflicting perspective, but a different perspective, which is awesome. And that's what I like. I want to get all these different views because if I give you all these different views, um, you can come to some of the same conclusions that the people in the Pew Research uh, study found. So I'm going to break down these groups. The first one is, and these are all from our words that I went over in the beginning. Our first one is the uh, the Haredi. And they're the orthodox they are the people who you see and and i'm generalizing i totally realize that i'm generalizing um but what's interesting is uh and i'm going to tell you a neat little story so hold on one moment i'm going to take a sip so the orthodox the haredi cover and i was confused at first because they only talked about the Haredi. they didn't talk about uh the hasidim the uh the hasidics group uh, the hasidic um jews um and then i spoke to both of my friends and they said they're considered in israel Haredi. so in the united states though they're not really 
considered, I mean, it's been my experience that they're not considered Haredi. They're considered Hasidim. Um, they're Hasidic. They're different. They have an intif- a different um, view. And the way it was explained to me, and if I'm wrong, I'm so psyched to be wrong because it's an opportunity for me to learn something. So I'm giving you this information. This, yes, I come to you and it may seem as if I'm an, an authority, but what I am is someone who delights in the exchange. So if I'm incorrect, tell me, tell me, send me a comment, send me an email. I will be more than happy to correct myself on the show. So the Haredim, what they do is they will act as a group and they'll, they're, they have a, um, um, I want to say a rabbinate, which is like a, uh, a group of rabbis who, who confer and they come to decisions for the community. Um, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, that's just, that's religious. Uh, are you kidding me? You have uh, town boards that do the same thing. It's just that they do it in a different setup. That's all. So let's be careful and not be too critical. There, It is, I find that it's very easy for individuals to criticize the Orthodox as a whole. It's okay to criticize practices. If you have an issue that you think is not halakha, if you think is not right, okay, um, it's okay to have an issue with it. Tons of people have had issues with it and left the community. I have a wonderful, beautiful friend. She left the community because she didn't agree with it. She doesn't hate the Orthodox, though. Um, she just hates certain things about maybe the way her family or community interprets it. So there, be careful, please. Um, so the Hasidim, they don't have a group that confers. They have an individual, the Rav, the, um, the, their head rabbi. And it's a patrilineal, which is weird. To me, it's weird. And I don't mean weird like they're weird. I mean, it's it's odd in the, because um, in this day and age, in this uh, time that we live in, Jews consider um, themselves Jewish by being born to a Jewish mother. So that that authority is kind of, I want to say, handed over. Because the way I like to think about it is that they're, they're, they're learned. They're scholars. They're teachers. That's what a rabbi is. He's a teacher. He's someone who guides you. He's someone who helps you. He's someone who can look in the places where wisdom sits, books, those who've come before us, and... He can point to places just because he has experience with the words, with the, with the concepts, with the ideas that he can say, here's an idea. Check this out. Oh, that's awesome. But in the Hasidic world, that's not the case. Um, what the Rav says goes. And this, this is where I have the biggest issue. And this is something that wasn't discussed in the uh, 
in the in the video and it's the one thing and i spoke to someone else and they actually when they were speaking to me they said don't do what i just told you guys not to do (laughs) so voting for me is very important voting for me is an expression of freedom okay um, it's an expression of freedom in the weir- in the in the coolest sense because it's an expression of free will. I am, to quote George Bush, are you ready for this? <laughs> I am the decider. Basically, that's it. I'm the one who gets to. Uh, I'm the one who gets to have a say. You could do what you want once I give you the authority. Don't mess me up. Um, but I'm going to. I'm going to trust you to drive my brand new car. Basically, that's what we're saying to whomever we elect. Uh, um, it's terrifying. I love my car. Um, but that is an individual decision, and it's a tremendously important responsibility, and it's a beautiful gift that has been given to us by, depending on who you believe, um, Shem, God, whoever, uh, our government people, uh, Napoleon. Remember, Napoleon gave uh, Jews, this sounds like it's off topic, but it's not. <laughs> Napoleon gave Jews equal rights um, when he established um, the Napoleonic Empire. Um, so it's, it, and, and we didn't have rights back then at all in any way, shape, or form. So it was like, it was groundbreaking. So, for someone to give someone the right to have a say in what goes on is tremendous. It's huge. It's super duper big. So, I think it's important to always leave it at the individual. I think coercion, and that's what it is, telling someone how to vote is coercing them into voting a specific way. That's all there is to it. I don't, I don't agree with, and I'm going to explain the other point of view, but I kind of have difficulty wrapping my, but it's where I come from. I have difficulty putting on the shoes. So, um, the Hasidim, the Rav tells them how to vote. You will vote for this person. And then they all go out and vote for that person. The Haredim. The group at the top says, you're going to vote for this person. And then all the Haredi, uh, Haredim go and vote that way. And they become a tremendous political force in Israel. Uh, because in order to form a government, you have to sate that group. You have to satisfy that group. And uh, it's, it's one of the things I have an issue with. Now, one of the things that was explained to me, and I really should spend time you know absorbing this and digesting this because it is it is something these uh the chassidim and the haredim don't live outside their communities at all so they don't know what the world is like they don't know what the political issues are um they just know halakha they just know um the torah they just know their lives inside their community so um the, the concept behind th- them being told how to vote by their leaders is that they don't know enough to vote 
correctly, and I'm making air quotes. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that. Um, let people vote ignorantly, but let them make the choice. You know what I mean? Personal responsibility. Uh, I'm a big, big person. Just ask my son. I'm totally a big personal responsibility. Um, dude. All right. Um, before I get, so that's all I'm really going to say about the, uh, the Orthodox. I'm probably going to use references and, 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 um, in order to differentiate the different groups and, and use that again. But, um, before I do that, we're at the halfway mark, which is, wow, we are really sailing through this episode. And at the halfway mark, I like to give shout outs to my other sponsors. So on that note, I connect, I connect engagement with Israel that earns you rewards. I connect is a website dedicated to teaching you more about Israel it's also a social gaming platform where you can play, earn points, and receive cool prizes all for free. While you are there, you will connect with Israel by engaging with all of iConnect's numerous articles, games, quizzes, puzzles. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Quizzes, polls, and more. Um, now, why should you play? Because iConnect's unique platform introduces you to Israel in a fun, exciting, and most importantly, rewarding way all while working towards giving you a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So head on over to www.iconnect.co.il. That's www.ikonnect.co.il and start playing now. And some of the prizes you can get, you can, and I think I've mentioned this before, you can get uh, coupons for free coffee. You can get coupons to bounce uh, it's not bounce. I mean, that's not the name of it, but it, essentially it's the same thing bounce in, uh, in Jerusalem. So if you have kids, they have this big foam pit jumping place. So, Hey, it's awesome. Um, and they'll get you a deal in going there. So, uh, head on over to there. And our next one is from Israel phones who is the leading provider of communication devices for people traveling to Israel. Israel Phones offers SIM cards, mobile phone rentals, and MiFi devices, which are mobile Wi-Fi hotspots, and serves the connectivity needs of tour groups, synagogues, schools, community missions, study programs, and individuals visiting their family and friends, supplying you with all the mobile phone equipment that you'll need on your next trip to Israel. Right now, because of watching this show, Israel Phones will give you a free SIM card, which is a $15 value if you spend $30 or more on their site. All you have to do to get this deal is use the coupon code 12 cities in Israel, the number one, two cities in Israel, um, when you're checking out on your next order. And for more information on what Israel phones can do for you, and to get the great offer, head on over to www.israelphones.com. That's www.israelphones.com. All right, so where are we? We are about to step over to the Dati. Give me one moment. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. All right, so the Datiim. Um, and what did I say Dati means? It means religious. So the Dati, to give um, Jews in America an understanding of what the Dati are, um, the Dati are, the 
like modern Orthodox. Okay. Um, but in Israel, so, uh, and this is important because we're going to start stepping into an area where a lot of people are going to get confused if you're Jewish. And also if you're not Jewish, but know a lot about Judaism. So in the United States, we have a number of different flavors. Um, we don't like to call them denominations uh, because that denotes that they're not all within the same line. And I'd like to, and I think most of us would like to all think that we share the same core concepts. Um, and by shifting it into denominations, that kind of muddies it a little bit. We're all Jews. We're all Jews. Um, and the, even if others say that we're not, and I, I say that because there have been comments that have been made um, by some Haredim that, uh, in, in, in power or authority that certain people are no longer Jews. And I don't agree with that. I think that's wrong. Uh, because they don't get to say that, you know what I mean? Um, I guess, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so in the United States, we have, we have the Orthodox, we have moder we have Hasidim, uh, and we don't really have as many Haredim, but we do have some, and then we have modern Orthodox and modern Orthodoxy is all of the Halakhic principles, but with a foot in the modern world. Um, conservative Judaism is, um, kind of like a shade more into the modern world while also maintaining that halakhic, um, uh, core, um, reform is, um, I don't want to say that they've abandoned halakha, but it's not as important. There are a lot of things um, you'll find, and there's a lot of blending. Um, and that was something that I wasn't as much aware of, be, even being from here, the United States, I wasn't aware of that. But there, there is that blending. And we're going to talk about that blending in Israel. Um, but there are, you know, but. Those definitions, people stay within those definitions in the United States much more than they do in Israel. Okay. So actually, maybe I'm not going to talk about... No, I will. So, and then you have the Reconstructionists. and the, the Once you get down to, and I say down, not to say that they are less than, just to say that we're talking about levels of halakha. We're talking about levels of halakhic adherence so there are all these mitzvot tons of them okay and uh we have to follow them um we're required being religious i'm religious uh we feel compelled to follow them um uh, because it's a uh what do you call it it's a um it's a commandment from god but what's interesting is as much as it's a commandment it's also a request you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, and this is how I perceive it. When I talk about it, I, I, uh, when I talk definitively about it, I, I'm speaking from my heart, not from anywhere else. So we don't, so the concept of the Christian concept of hell, it doesn't exist for me. It, um, 
it's just a break from being with God. So being with Hashem, which is one of the things that we call God. One of the names, there's a ton of them. Um, and so why am I bringing that up? Because, because for some people who are, they, they can remove religiosity from, they can remove the need to follow certain mitzvot or, or commandments. I don't like using that word, but I'm going to just so I can put it into context. Some people feel more comfortable lessening their commandment load. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I am really, really trying to, to, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, what do I have? I think I have like 25 minutes and I'm trying to define my entire religious everything and it's 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 daunting while also trying <laughs> to describe uh Judaism in Israel uh and and but also give context to Judaism in Israel by describing Judaism in the west and in the United States so okay so we have the dati the dati are religious the dati are orthodox they consider themselves orthodox um, if you ask them for an English, um, an English uh, definition of dati, they would probably say religious. They might say orthodox. They would say observant. Um, I like to use that term, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> because so that is that group. And there are a large number of individuals who consider themselves Dati. And you're going to see them, if you visit Israel, they're individuals who wear kippot. They wear kippahs like I do. Um, a lot of times they'll have beards. Um, women who are Dati have their hair um, wrapped in scarves, beautiful scarves. Um, and that's usually how you can tell um datim in israel datim is the plural im you add iman that's the male hey i didn't do it uh but that's the uh that's the uh that's the male descriptive i i don't know uh that's a plural yes that's the male plural <sighs> so you have the datim now inside there there's another group called the dati leumi well all right so when i was speaking to my friend neely she was telling me about the leumi and the leumi are orthodox also now the only ones that i could find are the um dati leumi and i have to talk to her because i don't know if she was talking about the same group and the dati leumi are the religious zionists and they're orthodox they consider themselves orthodox like mo modern orthodox but they don't use the term orthodox um because haredi are orthodox uh, but they will they'll, they'll say that they're orthodox halakhically and uh it, it all get do you notice that it it's it is and then it isn't and it gets really confusing it gets 
wicked, wicked confusing. It's about to get more confusing. Let me take a sip of coffee. Hold on. So then the next group that we have are the Mazorti. Okay. Mazorti are traditional. Now, what is that? So the way Moti was describing it, uh, my friend, my Sephardic friend, um, is that the Mazorti, um, may, they, they're less, they're not less observant. They are as observant in their hearts, but they may not be as observant in their actions. They may do certain things. You may find people who consider themselves Mazorti driving on Shabbat if they have to. Um, you may find them doing certain things that fall outside what would be the rules <clears throat> for the Datim or the... Uh, Haredim. Um, and I don't have any strict, I mean, it could be anything. Now, where it gets even muddier. So remember I was saying you have conservatives who are more like modern Orthodox, and then you have people who are modern Orthodox who consider themselves more, who, who may consider themselves modern Orthodox, but another modern Orthodox community wouldn't consider themselves necessarily modern Orthodox because of some of the practices that they use. They would say, you're more conservative Judaism than modern Orthodox. You know, so there's very specific delineations between the groups in the United States, okay? The communities inside the United States. These delineations exist in Israel, but are more fluid. So what do I mean by that? So one of the interesting things is there was a woman, Michal, in the video, um, who said that at times she's more Mazorti and at times she's less Mazorti. Um, and... That's interesting because I have my friend who was describing himself as Mazorti. Um, but right now he's what, <laughs> I love the phrase that he used. He said, I'm Mazorti light. And I was like, what do you mean light? I don't know that word. And he said light, like L-I-G-H-T. And I was like, oh, like, like Pepsi light? I was like, What? And he said, yeah, I'm Mazorti light because, and I said, why? He said, because the kids, he's a soccer coach. And he said, the kids have, that he coaches, the league has games on Saturday, so he has to go. And I don't know, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to say this. Um, so I live in a place uh, outside of the community, way outside the community. I live up north. I don't have a synagogue near me. Uh, there is one, but it's not one I feel comfortable going to. Now, because of that, I have to make the synagogue here. 
You know what I mean? It's of course it doesn't have an Aaron. It doesn't have a, uh, a the big Torah, but I have to make it sort of. And I know I'm getting out there, but it's an opportunity for you to learn a little bit about me. Um, I have to make the synagogue in my heart. And I said to him, I said, when you do this, you're doing something beautiful for kids. Okay, you're teach you're you're being a a someone that these kids can um look to and consistently trust uh and, and be there for and they can you can be there for them and i said for you you have to look at it this way because i can see on your face the guilt and i could i could see the guilt on his face as he was telling me this and i said the pitch for you when you're with those kids is your synagogue and he said wow I never thought of it that way. And I said, it's what you're doing is beautiful. And I think do worry less about men and more about the bigger picture. So I'm going to, and if someone doesn't agree with that, that's okay. And if you want to tell me you don't agree with that, that's okay. Um, because, and this is where we get to the, the fluidity and the in and out. So on some levels, I'm extremely dotty. But on some levels, I'm extremely mazorti. But on some levels, I have to live my life. You know, I, I, I have to live my life between those two places because on some things, it's very important. So one of the things and, and um, it, it, it just is, it's, it's. There is a um I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know how to how to how to really describe it, but um and this isn't just going to this isn't and, and it's very important that I that I I say this. Um I'm not talking about the Jew who just goes to synagogue on Yom Kippur, um or the Jew who just does a Seder with his family once a year. Um I'm talking about allowing the world to be a lot. And that's, that's a big thing. And that's a hard thing. That's an extremely hard thing. Um, and it's something that sometimes we as Jews don't always take into account. And we become so rigid in ensuring that um, we strictly adhere to halakha. Like I do, food-wise, I do. It's important. I put a lot of thought into it. I don't live around kosher places, so I have to put a lot of thought into what I put inside my body um, so that I can be on the path, so to speak. Um, but I I just, I, I don't know. I think it's important. I think it's important to think that <laughs> we're all just people. Um, every level of spirituality, I think, in Judaism is beautiful. And I think there's something to learn from all of them. Um, like, because I was talking, and this is going to be funny, and you're going to learn about something really neat. Um, and that is, uh, well, yeah, well, I'm going to talk about this. So there's uh, Rabbi Nachman. And Rabbi Nachman is a uh, uh, Hasidic, uh, was a Hasidic rabbi who was uh, 
just obsessed <laughs> with the with the idea of simcha, joy. Simcha means joy in Hebrew. And uh, they're the people in the vans. If you ever visit Israel, you'll see them. And they're the Orthodox gentlemen that kind of look like hippies that jump out of the van with speakers on them and they start dancing and everything. And they try to get you to dance with them. And they just have so much joy. Um, they annoy some people, but hey, what are you going to do? I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's one of the cool aspects of orthodoxy there's the Baal Shem Tov and the Baal Shem Tov's concept on on even the smallest individual being able to touch God and uh I I I don't like to go religious on on this podcast I want to leave it open for everyone but there are just so many cool things um and just keep your eyes and ears open for them. And you'll, I'm, I'm trying to give you information on the culture and the beauty of Israel. And Judaism and Israel's Jews um, are one of the beautiful things. Um, even, even the Chilonim, the secular Jews. And that's another one where there's fluidity. So in the video, they talk about how... One individual talks about how uh, he is, he grew up Chiloni. He grew up secular, secular, secular. Um, I think that was right. Did he? Or did he grow up traditional and he broke from it? I think that was it, actually. He broke up, he broke from it and he couldn't have anything to do with it. He joined the army. He was not, not, no. And then, uh, then... Slowly, it started coming back tradition and not necessarily see, because that's the thing a lot of people don't understand who aren't Jewish is that even on the Moshav and the, uh, the kibbutz, which were socialist, secular farms, enclaves, pre-state, early state, um, they were, they were no religion, but every Shabbat. They lit the candles and they, you know, just there is a tradition that makes us Jews that is so profound. And the concept that an individual somewhere else in my time zone is lighting candles at the exact same time as me and may not, may be orthodox, may not be orthodox, may not even be religious, is just what binds us all together. And that fabric is what made the state of Israel. So, uh, yeah. All right. So that's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I hope I covered it. I hope I didn't confuse people. I hope I illustrated, um, what Judaism in it, it, it is in Israel and, and the different types of Jews that you find in Israel. And I know I didn't spend too much time on the Chilonim, but they're not, um, there's not much to say. They're wonderful, amazing people who have just chosen not to have religion in their lives. And that's okay. You're still awesome people, and I love you. Um, all right, so that's pretty much it. Um, I am going to finish up by telling you guys uh, that I, before I do that, let me take one more sip. Hold on. 
I'm going to finish up by telling you guys um, that I'm in the process of setting up, scheduling the interviews right now. I'm so psyched. Um, so many people have confirmed. Rivka Karmi, the former president, uh, she's confirmed. Um, Yara Shalev, she is uh, Yara from Hebrew Pod 101. She is coming on. Corey Gil Schuster from Ask a Palestinian, Ask, a, uh, Ask an Israeli. He's confirmed. Who else? Um, ba -ba 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 -ba, my friend Alexandra. She is coming on. She's a dancer and a ballerina who uses her craft to bring Arabs and Israelis together. Monty um, Biton, who I told you about, my best friend, he's coming on to give us a uh, perspective on Sephardi life in Israel. Yeah. Um, my another dear, dear, dear friend, Neely Kane, is coming on. Um, she is a teacher. She's actually... Um, she might be talking about this subject with me, um, but we haven't confirmed that. Um, who else? I have, bum, 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 Huma Moore. She's a paramedic for Magan David Adom. She is awesome. She is amazing. Um, I cannot wait to talk to her. You guys are going to get a lot out of that conversation. Doron Almog, the retired general who is now the, uh, the head of Ale, he's the main spokesperson for Ale. Um, all of that's happening. I paid for the hotel. I paid for the space we're filming in. Um, I paid for all the equipment. The only thing I have left is rentals for the lights that we're going to be using because I can't take these with us. Um, a couple of two pieces of equipment um, and a couple of uh, other smaller pieces of equipment and the luggage fees for Ella which are about 600 bucks. Total, everything's $2,000 that I have left. If somebody could help me, anyone, please go to our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com and, uh, and donate, help us out. Anything that you can give would be greatly appreciated. I have paid for everything else. Total cost for everything is like 11 $12,000. Um, I just need this little bit of help over the hump. I will get it. Um, but if I could get your help, that would be wonderful. Um, all right. All right. All right. All right. Um, that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for the 12 cities in Israel podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed and become a part of the 12 cities in Israel community. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And we'll be bringing you a brand new podcast every week, so keep your eyes out for it. Um, also, to help support this podcast, as I said in the beginning, you can visit our Patreon page, www.12citiesinisrael.com. That sounded horrible. Um... <laughs> and become a regular donor we would immensely appreciate it also 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 please visit our youtube channel where you can see a video version of this podcast and you can see all of the words from the upon in type and text on the screen um 
You can also see other videos we've produced, including some of my travel vlogs, uh, some of, uh, well, you can see our full-length episode of the City of Beersheba, our travel show. Um, you can also, uh, pretty soon, you'll be able to see our Ulpan Chamesh Bakhamesh. You can visit our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram where every day I'm putting up a brand new picture. Um, I'm also doing shout outs to our sponsors. I'm also keeping you guys updated um, through Twitter where I'm trying at least, at the very least, to post every day. Um, so follow us on all of our social media. All right, that's it. Sharon,